thank you, Lord, for all you have done and all that you continue to do in our hearts and in our lives. Father, we pray for an anointing of your Holy Spirit on every part of this service tonight. Touch every heart, touch every life, touch Lord those that may be able to view this uh, uh, through the, the media that we have. And I pray, Father God, that every heart and life will be touched, Lord, and all that is done tonight may be done for your honor, your glory, and your praise, and Lord, for the exaltation of your kingdom, and Lord, for souls to be added daily into your kingdom, Amen. Father, for Lord, that is your heart's cry, that is your heart's desire, and Lord, we want to fulfill it to the very best of our ability. Father, all this we pray in Jesus' name, and all of God's people said, Amen. Amen.
you there is no one above you there is no one like you in all the earth you alone are God thank you Lord for your great love thank you Lord for your Holy Spirit that we feel moving in this place tonight Lord touch every heart touch every life Lord God by your mighty power and by your spirit oh God we pray father we just honor you Lord, we honor you, Lord, in our life, as this song says, Lord, we honor you. Help us, Lord, in, in our lives and in our, the way we live and the way we conduct ourselves to always think about honoring you, Lord, for you are worthy of all of our praise. You are worthy of all glory and honor. You are worthy and worthy and worthy are you, Lord God, for you have created all things and by you they are and were created and for your pleasure they are created. Father, we are your creation. We are here for your pleasure, God. We are here not for our own agendas. We're not here for our own uh, uh, wants or our own wishes, but we are here to honor the Lord God of heaven and earth, the creator and sustainer of all that he has created. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, we give you praise and we give you honor. We give you glory in the wonderful and the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's give him a hand of, of appreciation. He's our God. Amen. You may be seated. Appreciate our worship team. Y'all hang on a minute. A little discombobulated. Before I forget, and Marla throws something at me. Because <laughs> I told her to if I forgot. Uh, don't forget this next Sunday evening, Sunday morning, we're having Sunday school in church. Right? Got to have that. That's, that's important. But next Sunday evening at 6 o'clock, we're having the barbecue back here in the pavilion. And there's a sign-up sheet. If you haven't signed up to bring stuff, go check that sign-up sheet out and see if there's something you can do to help out with that. And those of you that can, let's come and let's uh, have a, a good time of fellowship and, as we worship the Lord together and as we uh, just fellowship together. Is it important to fellowship? Yes, it's very important. How do I get to know you if all I do is see you in church on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night? Now that's good, don't misunderstand. But I think it's important for us to fellowship together. It's important to understand. Sometimes Brother Don Heilman will catch me off guard and he'll say something and I'm going, 
It's like, uh, oh, wait a minute. Now, they'll say, this is Don talking. Okay, I, okay, I get it now, you know. So, uh, but how am I going to know if, I don't, if we don't fellowship, if we don't realize who we are? So don't forget that. Uh, don't forget to, um, can't remember of anything else, Sister Marla, is there anything else we need to know? Just make sure about that. And so remember that if you will. Before we get into the word this evening, uh, there might be those of you uh, that you might have a request that you would like to mention this evening that we can pray with you about. I know there's a whole, I didn't bring the, the prayer list, but there's a lot of people I know that still need prayer. Probably Sister Judy Friesen comes to my mind. Um, I can see her face and can't remember her name at the moment. <laughs> oh, well, maybe it'll come to me in a second, but anyway. <laughs> Uh, my wife got my wife's helping me out here. Keep me in line. <laughs> I, I can be scatterbrained at times. I really can. So, uh, but let's do that. Um, I'll think of that lady. I can see her face in my head, but I cannot think of. She usually sits back here. She's been having a lot of problems lately. And, Oh, somebody, I'll remember it one of these days. Huh? No, not Donna. Um, she used to teach Sunday school class. Many, when we first started, she did. Brenda, that's, thank you, Miss Julie. Thank you so much. Brenda Norton, let's remember her in prayer. She, she's, I could see her face, but I couldn't bring her name. So let's remember her. Anyone else you would like to mention tonight that we can pray with you about? Okay, let's remember this Debbie, right? And let's remember uh, Marla's sister, Debbie. Pray that God will just intervene and that his will will be done and that he'll give some guidance and direction where it's probably desperately needed. Sister Kim. Okay, well, let's just, we're going to believe God to touch that, that foot, and surgery will not be required for Brother Jonathan. We appreciate our young men, and you hate to see people suffer, and, and I know moms and dads really hate to see, <laughs> you kind of hurt along with them, but let's remember Jonathan in our prayers. Anyone else? All right, let's remember, uh, this is a... Uh, Holiday weekend coming up. Probably a lot of families will be traveling. There'll be a lot of traveling going on. Let's pray for uh, traveling mercies for all of our church family that may be traveling here, there, different things are going on. And uh, God will keep everybody safe and then get them back in and have them where they can be back in church uh, when the holidays are over. All right? Anyone else real quickly? And then we'll pray. All right, let's join together in prayer. Father God, we come to you tonight. Thanking you, Lord, because that you are God. And that because, Father God, you alone are able to heal. You alone are able to deliver. You alone, Lord God, are the one who is able to guide us and direct us and give us the, uh, the answers that we need. To give us the wisdom that we need in our hearts and lives, Father God, for each and every day, for every situation. Father, you are God. And we just thank you, Lord, that you are on your throne, always 
watching over us, always taking care of us and ministering to the needs of our heart and life. Father, we pray, Lord, for these that, that we can remember. The Lord, uh, we pray for uh, Brenda Norton, Lord God. We pray for Judy Friesen. Father God, we pray for Jonathan tonight. Lord God, we're just holding him up before you, asking you, Lord, to touch them and to heal their bodies. Lord, from the top of their head to the very bottom of their feet, may your healing power flow. Lord God, may whatever is causing their individual problems, Lord, may it be healed. Lord, heal Jonathan's foot. Lord, we pray right now that in the name of Jesus, every bone go back together where it's supposed to go. Every ligament, every joint, Lord God, every uh, tendon, every muscle in that foot, Lord, be it, may it be healed and made whole and be completely restored as it should be. Father God, then may you receive the honor and the glory for it. Father, touch in every heart and every life. The minister, Lord, this weekend, Lord, there'll be a lot of people traveling. A lot of them, probably our church family will be traveling. Father God, we ask you, Lord, to keep them safe. Lord, you're the go before them. Prepare the path before them as they travel and prepared as they return home as well, Lord God, that no harm or danger befall them and that, Lord God, that you take care of each and every one of your children as you are so gracious and merciful to do each and every day. Guide and direct us, Father, and Lord, in this service tonight, may we just open up our hearts, Lord God, to you and allow you to move in us, to touch us, and to help us to go forth in this day and hour that we live just living the life that shines the light of Jesus Christ into the hearts and lives of people around this world, the people in our world, the ones that we come in contact with. May they sense your power and your presence as it flows through us. Father, we are your vessels. Use us for your kingdom and for your glory, I pray, Father, in Jesus' name. And all of God's people that said, amen. And we gave him another round of applause. All right. Amen. He's always worthy. I think sometimes we, we do that and, and I hope that we don't get in a, a rut or get in a habit of just doing that because you stop and think about for a moment. If some, I start to say some Hollywood celebrity walked in the door, well, that wouldn't do me a whole lot. I would say, well, so you know, well, glad you're here. Hope you get saved. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, some of them I've seen, some of them need a lot of Jesus. And, you know, I, I had my youngest daughter used to say about people, well, they sure need a lot of Jesus. <laughs> but if someone were to be of importance, someone that we respected, let's just say the, the district, not the district superintendent, but the general superintendent of the Assemblies of God walks in here now. Personally, I wouldn't know who he was. <laughs> But if we figured out who he was, would we not give him a round of applause and say, you know, we're appreciative. So when we do this for God, church, don't ever let us forget. He alone deserves all of the praise and all of the honor and all of the glory. And so when we, when we clap our hands before him, it is to give him the honor and the glory that's due his name. And you can't do it enough. You can't do it enough. Amen. All right. In your Bibles tonight, I want you to turn to the book of Hebrews, chapter 11. And all of the people that know the Bible know this is the chapter of faith. But 
and Sister Julie does this so well, as Brother Gary is very uh, kind to say, and I will agree to that. Um, sometimes you, you get to thinking about what you feel like the Lord wants you to talk about, and 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 she and I have, I can honestly tell you, we haven't talked. <laughs> but her songs, both of her songs fit really well tonight in what we're, I want to present to you for a few minutes this evening. Hebrews chapter 11. Want us to start in verse 23. The Bible tells us, by faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith, he, by faith, he left Egypt. <coughs> not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. Father God, as we come to you again one more time, Father, we are asking you, Lord, just to guide us and to direct us in as we present your word tonight, what you have laid upon our heart. May it touch every heart. May it touch every life. And Lord God, may your will be done in every heart and life, I pray. And may your message go forth and challenge us and stir us and motivate us tonight to draw closer to you. And Lord, that in all we do, as Sister Julie sang, Lord, in all I do, may I honor you with the life that we live. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We think about this, and I went back and looked just so I could make sure I was, was talking about this. I thought about what he says, and the thing I really want to focus on is the fact that the Bible, the, the writer of Hebrews tells us there in verse 26, that Moses was looking to the reward. Now, is that a bad thing? Could be. Depends on what we're looking for. It depends on what's in our heart and mind. But when we think on the spiritual side of things, and the thought I thought of that, that kind of also went along in my head with this one or in my heart with this one, was a lot of people will look at us and say, why are you serving God? What's in it for you? What are you after? Have you ever seen somebody that you either work with or you knew in your circle of friends that anytime they ever did something for you, you knew that they wanted something in return? Been there, done that, got a t-shirt, right? But the thing about it is so many people, and in our world today, it seems like that focus is more and more prevalent. What's in it for me? What do I get out of it? 
what you put into it. Brother Gary says this, you get out of something what you put into it. But the thing about it is, so many people are looking today. We have this uproar, and I, haven't, I don't pay a whole lot of attention to uh, the national news and stuff because it makes me mad. I, I, I want to go take some action on somebody, and it's probably not going to be nice what I want to do. So I just try to keep a low profile. Why are we seeing such an uproar? about a decision that has been made and passed down by our Supreme Court because we've got people that are looking for their own self-interest. We have a generation, we have a world who is only interested in, I don't want consequences. Honey, I got a newsflash for you. If you made a choice, you're going to have consequences. They're going to happen to your life. You make good choices, you're going to have good consequences. You make bad ones, you're going to have bad consequences. If I choose to get in my car and go to work and decide I want to drive on the other lane and some trucker runs over me and kills me, that's my fault. It's not his fault. He'll probably do everything in his power, blow his horn, flink his lights and everything he can to miss me. But the thing about it is I made a stupid choice. I would have made a stupid choice. I'm here, so I haven't made one of those. <laughs> Trust me, I make enough dumb ones as it is. I don't, have any, I don't need any help to make dumber ones. But the thing about it is our world and our society today says, let's do this, but let's not have any consequences. Let's have a contest, but everybody gets a participation award. Honey, I'm sorry, we're all in this life together and we're going to wind up before the judgment seat of God and God is not going to hand out participation prizes because you live life. It's not going to happen. You should look at Moses. I, I, the more I thought about this and the more that it, I think about this, what, what the writer of Hebrews tells us about him what the Old Testament tells us about him and his life, starting in Exodus chapter 7, we find that in Moses was born, the Pharaoh's decree was all Hebrew boys get killed. No questions asked. It's Hebrew baby boy, kill it. That was Pharaoh's decree. That was what he had declared as law. The Bible says that when his mother and dad saw that child, they hid him for three months. At the end of that three months, they put that young man in a basket of rushes and laid him there on the river bank of the Nile. And who should come along? And it wasn't by happenstance. It didn't just occur. Pharaoh's daughter showed up. Pharaoh's daughter knew what her dad's decree was. I'm not so sure. I, I haven't studied it. I can't say that I would study I don't know that we would know. But I would suspect that even though she was Pharaoh's daughter, she would be guilty uh, of punishment had, you know, she violated dad's commit because if, as I understand it, what Pharaoh said, wimp. 
you know. It wasn't like, you know, in The Wizard of Oz, the great Oz has spoken. Well, that didn't mean a whole lot, did it? But when Pharaoh spoke in the land of Egypt, honey, that's the way it was. But she saw Moses and she took care of Miriam, his sister, standing there close by. Oh, would, would you like to have somebody take care and, and wean that child and, and nurse that child? And, and Pharaoh's daughter said, you, yes, please. And I'll pay them her, her wages. Now, ladies, I mean, I don't know how y'all feel about this. You would have to tell me. But to sit there and get paid to take care of your own child, that sounds like a pretty good deal to me. She knew, his mother knew this, that she was going to have to give that child back to them one day. She had to know that. She agreed to the, to the deal. She agreed to the bargain. She knew she was going to have to take him back to Pharaoh. But church, you know, God had a plan. God had a plan far down the road, some 80 years later in Moses' life. From the time that we see him born until the next time when we see him in Egypt, or actually he goes to Egypt, we have, the only thing we know is the Bible says he was born, and the next time it mentions Moses' age, he's 80 years old when he's standing before Pharaoh as God's called leader. You stop and think about that for a minute. Moses grew up in Pharaoh's house. Of all the pomp and circumstance and all of the wealth and all that was available to Moses to stay as Pharaoh's son. She gave him the name Moses because she'd taken him out of the water. He grew up in Pharaoh's household. He grew up knowing how to reach and walk into Pharaoh's court. He grew up knowing how and learning how to read and write. And all of the things the Egyptians are known for, their, some of their stuff is still copied today, even in medicine. They were, the, I don't know if they were the first ones to, but we know that they, if I remember my history right, they were the ones that knew how to embalm dead bodies. They knew how to fix that body so it would not decay, so it would halt that process or mummify that individual. We're talking about a civilization that was highly intelligent. Moses grows up in this. He is schooled. He is trained. He is instructed in all the ways of Egyptology or Egyptianness or however you want to pronounce it. But he knew, he learned, he learned what it was like to walk in Pharaoh's court. He knew what it took. He knew the protocol. He knew the way to approach. He knew the way to address. He knew the way to take care of business. Moses had, as far as the world could see, Moses had it made. Wonderful. I mean, the outlook is absolutely unlimited. Look at what's going to happen. Oh, Pharaoh might die. They might actually put old Moses up in there. This could happen. 
But somewhere, and the Bible does not tell us, I wished it did. Somehow, Moses' mother, this is personally my personal opinion. I cannot prove it by the Bible, so that's what I'm going to tell you straight up. It's just me. But somehow or another, Moses' mother instilled in him who he was, who God was, and it stuck. How do we know it stuck? There came a day when Moses is out walking around, and one of the Egyptians is mistreating one of the Hebrews. And Moses kills the Egyptian and then buries him and he thinks, ah, looks around, nobody saw. I got away with it. Now, I have no idea. The Bible doesn't tell us how old Moses was. Doesn't tell us anything about that as far as age is concerned. Could have been, he could have been a young man. He could have been an older man, but he still killed the Egyptian. The Bible says, the, the, I think it's the next day or, or the day after, he, two of his, uh, his Hebrew brothers are, are, are arguing with each other, and he goes to try to settle the argument. So what are you going to do? Kill us too like he did the Egyptian? Uh-oh. You see, what happened was it was noticed. It was seen. Can I do, as preacher says, one of his rabbit trails? Everything you and I are doing, somebody is watching it. And the old expression is, when I mess up, nobody forgets. When I do right, nobody remembers. But what did Jesus say about doing what's right? He said, you do what's right all the time. You do things, he said, when you do your alms, you, you know, when you give to the poor, you do that in secret. When you pray, what did he say? You go pray in secret. Go get in your closet and shut the door and you pray to your father who's in secret. And your father who sees in secret will do what? Reward you openly. It's not about what the world sees. It's not about what the world understands because church, you and I know that the world don't get it. They look at us and, and they look at church as, oh, you people are a bunch of crazy idiots because you're serving a God you can't see. You're doing things that don't make absolutely no sense whatsoever. You sit there and spend your Sundays going to church when you could be out on the lake fishing or skiing or swimming or here, there, whatever. You could be taking long trips. Is there anything wrong with long trips? No. Kim, I'm kind of I'm jealous. I'll just be honest with you. <laughs> they take some long trips. They've seen a lot of stuff. They have a goal in mind. There's nothing wrong with that. But if... That becomes more important than our service to God. It's sin. Let's just call it like it is. There's no beating around the bush about it. I, I don't like that. I just tell you straight out what I think. If you like it, fine. If you don't, well, let's you Lord talk about it. But you stop and think about everything Moses could have had. Power. 
prestige. They could have hauled him around in the finest chariot that Pharaoh's army had and that Pharaoh could afford. Let's put it in our language today. He could have been living in a palace driving a Rolls Royce every day and had enough money to pay for the gas three or four times over, even in today's society. New prices the way they are. And I'm going, Lord, please help us down here. You know. But the thing about it is he had all of that. He could have had all of that. But what does the Bible tell us? By faith, his mother and father, they hid him. Then they, they gave him over to, uh, to Pharaoh. Notice one other thing about his, in verse 23, what it says about his, his parents. They saw their child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict or his commandment. Now church, that says something. What about us? When the government says you got to do this or that or are we going to throw you in jail or what are we going to do? Are we going to stand for God or are we going to capitulate and and surrender and say, oh, well, you know. How many times, go look through the Bible. Stop and think about for a minute the people in the Bible. Joseph. Now, I'm not going to go to all their stories, but just, you know what, you know, most of us here tonight, I think, know the story of Joseph. What did he do? He stayed faithful to the God he served. Three Hebrew children. What does the Bible tell us about them? They, they served God day and night. They followed him. And somebody said, you know, that Nebuchadnezzar made his big grand idol of himself. Everybody fall down when you hear the sound of the music. Everybody fall down and worship the idol. Somebody was watching Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego because they ratted them out. Hey, Nebuchadnezzar, guess what? We saw them three boys. They didn't bow their knee. Bible says Nebuchadnezzar got mad, called them boys up there and said, you guys, I'll give you one more chance. He liked them. They impressed him. They were doing their job well. They were taking care of business like they were supposed to. He liked them. But what did they say? He's like, give you one more chance. You bow. Everything will be cool. We'll be, you know, it will be, we'll just be buds. But I like their answer. Nebuchadnezzar, live forever, but know this. The God we serve can deliver us out of your hands. But if he doesn't. We're still out of your hands. Because when you stop and think about it, they knew what they were facing. They knew that punishment of a furnace was not the first time that had ever been used. Pharaoh got a little, I'm not Pharaoh, Nebuchadnezzar got a little hot under the collar. Was, was his decree. Heat that furnace seven times hotter than it has ever been heated before. It was so hot. That the Bible declares when the guards threw those three Hebrew children into that fiery furnace, they died from the heat coming out of that furnace. Dropped dead just like flies. 
but we know the story. What's it say? Nebuchadnezzar. Why in the world did he go look? Why did he go look? Do you suppose, and this is merely supposition on my part, but their response, King, our God is able. Our God, and I wonder in my own heart, in my own mind, did Pharaoh, did Nebuchadnezzar keep hearing, our God is able. Our God is able. Our God is able. Our God is able. And it's something in that man's mind said, I got to go look. I got to go look. He got up and I'm sure it was a high spot because said he looked down. And the first thing he starts doing, hey, guys, come here. What? what? Yes, yes, sir. What? You, know, you know, you can see this. I mean, they're serving a very powerful king. When he says, come here, what do you do? You get there quicker than you should have. His question was, didn't we throw three in there? Yes, sir, we threw three. I see four. Nebuchadnezzar, as evil as he was, recognized who Jesus was. The very words out of his mouth are recorded. I see four and the fourth looks like the son of God. Why? Because he was. We know the rest of the story. They came out. The Bible says they came out of that fiery furnace. Didn't even smell like smoke. The hair on their head, on their bodies wasn't singed. Their clothes were still in perfectly good order. What, is, what was the result? Nebuchadnezzar said, Nobody says one bad word against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. What happens when we serve God? What is, what is the reward? Look at what the Bible says about Moses. Go back to him again. Verse 24. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, Oh, that'd, that'd, that'd preach all by itself. <laughs> when he was grown up, when he'd reached maturity, when he knew how to think, when he knew what he was thinking about, I'm going to say this as nicely as I know how. If it steps on your toes, I don't apologize. We've got people in churches today that have been there all of their lives and they're no more grown up than a six-year-old. And then they wonder, why is all of this happening to me? Grow up! God did not call us as a church or as an individual to sit there and just lollygag around and I want to go play marbles. There's time to get up and fight the good fight of faith. God is not looking for children to fight. God is not looking for people who have put no effort or no training in their lives. 
God is looking for men and women and boys and girls that will serve him in spirit and in truth, will take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and fight the devil every time he turns around. God help the church to wake up and realize that what God has given us is an ability to defeat Satan every time we go to battle. But I don't know where. Hey, shut your whining up. I don't like whiners, to be honest with you, okay? That just. I want to lay hands on them suddenly. And I'm not supposed to, so I don't. I don't like whining. You just don't whine about it. Stand up and fight like grown-ups. Okay? When Moses was grown up, don't know how old he was. Doesn't matter. He refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. You imagine what the world thought about that? Moses, have you lost your mind? Egypt, glory, pomp, circumstance, majesty, all of that. Moses, have you lost your mind? He refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. It was his choice. Notice what it also says about that choice that he made. <clears throat> Choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He made a choice. He grew up, but when he grew up, he made a choice. The world will say, you know, people make fun of you Christians. Every time you turn around, they're making fun of Christians. Got news, little news flash for you. The day is going to come when you wish you listened to that Christian man or woman in, that God put in your life. And I'm not talking to you here, but I'm talking to the world in which we live. You live it like God tells you to live it. You walk that path straight. You live like God says live. And there will be those who will make fun of you. They will tell you, I've been told that I'm the biggest self-righteous person that person's ever met. It's fine. It's not what I'm working on. Truly, that's not, what, that's not my goal. But what I understand is my righteousness is of God. And God will vindicate me. I don't have to do it. There will come a day, 16th chapter of Luke, I believe, where Jesus talked about Lazarus and the rich men. I think there's a lot more reality and literal, literalness to that than a lot of people understand. I'm not so sure. I'm just going to put it this way. But that's still not the case that people that die and go to hell are not able to see those that make heaven. How could God do that? God gave us a choice. 
Brother Hubert, I know I've told you this, and I don't, I'm not trying to build you up and give you a big head, but he stood up and told us the truth Sunday morning because the Spirit told him to, and he understands that. I understand that. But you know, that's, on, that's, the, only, that's the only two choices there are. You're going to spend eternity somewhere. You're going to spend it in heaven, or you're going to spend it in hell. But you hate us for telling us that. No, if I tell you that the bridge is out to five miles down the road, am I hating you? Trying to spare you some heartache. Trying to spare you from destroying your car. But when people get warned, you Christians just think you're so wonderful. You just think you're so great. I got a newsflash for you too. I am great. Not in myself. I am nothing less than nothing. I have no talent for any whatsoever unless God gives it to me. I love what Paul says. I am what I am by the grace of God. If I'm anything, if I touch anybody's life, if I minister to somebody in, in my lifetime, it's not me but Christ through me. If I preach this message and it touches your heart and your life, it wasn't me, it was him. It's got to be. It's the only way it will work. But my father thinks I'm pretty special. Why all do I know that? Because Jesus died and gave his life and rose again for me. I've heard this said all of my life growing up in church, but I believe it to be true. If I had been the only one dying and going to hell, Everybody else is fine. Everybody else is righteous. Everybody's going but me. He'd have died for me. But he died for all. What does Paul say? Once and for all. Because we all have missed it. Hopefully we're still not missing it, but we did. But Moses chose. We find it again. Choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. Fleeting pleasures, what does that mean? The sin that you may be involved in, if there's someone listening to this tonight, it won't last. It won't satisfy. Sin is a lot like a cancer untreated. It will eat you alive. It will destroy your soul in a devil's hell. Moses recognized something that the church today needs to recognize. And I'm not talking just us. I'm, I'm talking to the church as a whole. It's better to suffer as a Christian. This is a Wonderful message, right? Everybody just ready to jump, run the aisles? But it's better to suffer as a Christian than to enjoy the applause and the praise of the world while you live in sin. Because the day will come when we stand before the God of all creation 
we will stand before the judge. We will stand before Jesus. And he said, there will be one of two pronouncements made. One is well done, thou good and faithful servant, enter into the joys of the Lord. The other will be, depart from me, I never knew you. That's sobering, isn't it? The world said, oh, you're just, you know. But I look at it this way. If I believe this Bible to be true, and I do, and I live my life, that I meet my end, and I die, and I find out that there's nothing to it, what have I lost? I haven't lost anything. Oh, but you could have been rich. You could have been famous. You could have been, uh, yeah, I could have been, but I've got something that the world does not have. First of all, I have the presence of God in my life, and if he leaves me when I die, it's fine. Now, I know that sounds weird, but he's not going to because his word is true, and I believe his word. But what I'm trying to say is if when I die, that's, you know, there's people who want to believe, well, when you die, you're done. That's uh, not what God says. I would rather, I worked with a guy one time, this many, many years ago. I don't know how we got started talking about it. And he said, well, I just don't believe there's a hell. And I said, well, I'll tell you this. I would whole lot rather believe there was a hell, die and find out there wasn't, than believe there wasn't a hell, die and find out there was. And he got real quiet and said, I never thought of it that way. And my deal is, man, I hope you will think about it. You know? Because there, there are people out there, church, that want to tell you this is just a bunch of hooey. I took a survey the other day. I really don't do it very often, but I did this one. I thought, okay, we'll see. One of the questions that they asked was, do you believe that the Bible is just a, a, a book of words and really doesn't have any meaning at all? Or do you believe that you, the Bible is kind of the word of God and you can kind of take what you want and, and throw it the other way? Or do you believe that the Bible is the word of God and to be taken literally? Guess which one I marked? It's the word of God and it's to be taken literally. God said what he meant and he meant what he said. I'd a whole lot rather believe he's right and live for him than believe he's wrong and find out he was right after all. Moses chose to be mistreated. He chose the other side of what the world would say we wanted to choose. He considered the reproach of Christ, verse 26. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. Did he find it in this life? I'm not so sure. He did become the leader of the children of Israel. He, by the grace of God, he led them through the wilderness. He surprises me sometimes because sometimes I wouldn't be as nice as Moses was. 
When God sat there and looked at me and said, all right, just get out of the way, Moses. I'm fixing to wipe them out. I just said, sick them, Lord. He didn't. He reminded God of something. He said, God, if you kill them all out here, then the world will say you couldn't do what you said you were going to do. And they won't follow you. That's a pretty persuasive argument. It's from a grown-up man. But a man who knew God. He said, Lord, if you take them out, you take me out with them. It's not right. And the Bible says God repented. He chose to suffer mistreatment. He considered gaining Christ. What did Paul say? For me to live as Christ, to die is gain. Paul said, for I reckon that the sufferings of this present world are not worthy to be compared to the glory that is to be revealed in us. We look for a city whose builder and maker is God. Abraham looked for a city whose builder and maker was God. All of the Old Testament prophets and all of the Old Testament characters that we read about in the Bible, they were looking for something that wasn't here. They were looking for something that is, does not exist on this earth as far as human abilities is concerned. Heard a Baptist preacher say one time, and I thought about just now thought about this, been a long time. But he made this simple statement. What the world needs but does not want is Jesus. We can say we need Jesus. We can tell the world you need Jesus. But until the Spirit helps them to understand that, the Spirit of God had to me, the church, it's just again me. He had to help. Excuse me, sorry. He had to help. Moses understand that what he was choosing was more important than what Egypt offered. What do we know about Egypt? Egypt's not the grand country that it was at Moses' time. The empire of Egypt collapsed. We still have find their artifacts. We find all of the stuff they used, but they are not the power they were at that time. Kingdoms will come. Kingdoms will fall. There is one kingdom that will not. That's his kingdom. He chose. He chose. He chose. He was looking for a reward. Revelation chapter 22, verse 12. Jesus says this. Behold, I'm coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. May I encourage you tonight? Keep looking at the reward. And may also kind of give you something else to think about. If you have Christ, you have your reward. 
He's our reward. It's not the mansions in heaven. There's a, a song that was sung probably about the 70s or 80s, somewhere in there. But it makes a statement, if streets were not made with gold, and, and I can't remember exactly how it goes, but and if there weren't mansions in heaven, there weren't streets of gold, and there weren't all of these other things, but as Jesus, if Jesus is there, it'll be heaven for me. That's what I want to see. I'm not so concerned about the river of life. I'm not so, maybe that sounds bad, but I'm not as concerned about that as seeing him who gave his life for me, who gave, who shed the stripes on, God shed the blood from the stripes off of his back, shed the blood out of his body so that I could have eternal life. And to be able to look God, my Father, in the eye and say, Father God, I love you and I thank you for what you have given me. The rest of it's, I don't mean this disrespectfully to God, but the rest of it's fluff. The rest of it's fluff. It's good stuff. It's good fluff. Don't misunderstand me. But the rest of it is, but just to hear him say, you did good. You can tell me I do good, you, you know, and, and, and it's like that. We, I told Brother Hubert, you know, was talking to him on Sunday night. I said, Brother Hubert, thank you for doing, following the, following the Lord, following the Holy Spirit. He wasn't doing it for himself. He was doing it because the Holy Spirit told him to. Brother Hubert, when God looks at you and says, Hubert, you did good, it will be worth everything we ever have gone through. Because I have a feeling with all of my heart, he will look at us and smile and say, it's so good to see you. That's all that matters. That's our reward, church. It's not the streets of gold. It's not the mansions or rooms. I don't care what he's got. It'll work fine. I don't like staying indoors anyway. I really don't want a mansion. It's too big. I'd rather be outside. That's just me. But the whole thing about it is, he's my reward. Now, he does say he's going to pay us back for what, what we've done. There's, there's that. That's fine. I can understand why the book of Revelation earlier on says that when they came before him, they cast their crowns before him. Why? Because I'm not worthy of a crown. I know me well enough, Sister Carol, I'm not worthy of a crown. I'm not kingly. Sometimes I'm not even saintly. I have to keep working. Oh, Lord, keep working. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to do better. But the thing about it is, whatever he gives, it goes back to him anyway. He's made me what I, I am, what I am, by the grace of God. That's my reward. And to hear him say, well done. That means that's what I'm working for. That's what I'm living for him for. I don't care whether the world ever knows my name, doesn't care whether they ever know that I even existed on this planet. But if my father knows me, then that's, that's good. Moses made a choice. They asked Sister Sherry, asked me what my title of my sermon was. I said, rewards. 
if they had been able to get the, the screen to go. I don't know why it didn't, but we won't worry about that. It's going to have them put like a picture of gold coins and all scattered out there and the word rewards on there. But you see, what's it matter? Moses grew up, made a choice based on what he believed God had promised. Why do we talk about him so much? Because the Bible says when Moses died, God took him up on a mountain and buried him where nobody else knew. They never found it. But we have one more Moses moment. The New Testament. The Bible says that Jesus went up to a mountain and was transfigured before them and he was talking with, wait for it, Moses and Elijah. Did he make it? You tell me. Well, duh. I'm sorry. It's just like if the Bible records that Jesus was talking with Moses and Elijah on the Mount of Transfiguration, then Moses made it. He made the right choice. He realized it was worth it. I'd like to convince the whole world that Jesus is worth it. I would like them to see. I'd like them to know and understand that. But you know, all I can do is what I can do to help them to understand. All I can do is do what I feel like God lays on my heart. I can touch the people that God puts me in touch with. I work with some guys. I work with one guy that's kind of interesting. I'll tell this just real quick and then I'll, I'll quit. He got to talking. And I, you kind of wonder about it. So you try, I try not to be too pushy, you know. I've seen people get real pushy and push people away from God. I don't want to ever do that. But he's been talking about and been reading about the, the book of Revelation. And he said something the other day. He says, is the Antichrist alive? And I said, I think so. He's not revealed yet, but I think he's alive. I think we're that close to the end of time, church. He's out there somewhere. I don't know where, but he's out there somewhere. And I'm sorry, but it's a him. How do I know? Because God said he was. He asked, he said, are we in the tribulation? I said, not yet. You better hope you don't ever get in the tribulation. Because I believe the Bible says Jesus, just like he took Noah and put him on in the ark above the judgment. God says we're not destined for wrath. His children are not destined for wrath. I don't intend, I don't plan on being here for the tribulation. Are, are things getting tough? Yes. Are they getting stupid? Mm, Lord have mercy. But it's not there yet. It's getting there, but it's not there yet. Would you bow your heads with me for a moment? Father God, thank you, Lord, for these that have been patient with me and listened to me tonight. Father, I hope and pray that uh, this maybe has been able to, to go out to, uh, into the social media area that we use.
Father God, I pray. Holy Spirit of Almighty God, I'm asking you, Lord, to reach out and touch hearts and lives of those that maybe have heard here hearing this tonight or maybe will hear it eventually. Doesn't matter to me, Father. But they will realize those that are not walking with you, those that have not made Jesus Savior and Lord of their life, help them to realize, just as Moses did, that the choice to follow you, the choice to be in, to endure the mistreatment of God's people was better than all of the riches that Egypt had to offer. Father God, help people to know and understand and realize that what you offer, the eternal life you offer, is so much better than the fame or the fortune or the notoriety that they could get that the world would give them. Because, Lord, we look at it and we see they're here today and they're gone tomorrow. They're famous today and then nobody knows who they were. But Father God, the most important thing we can ever know is that when we stand before you, we'll hear those words. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joys of the Lord. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I, I hope and pray and trust that we're all Christians tonight and maybe there's someone listening to this. But you don't know this Jesus that we talk about. You don't know this God that Moses chose to serve rather than to enjoy all of the, the glitz and the glamour and the fame and the wealth of Egypt. But you can. If you're here tonight, you do not know him as Jesus, as Savior and Lord of your life. I beg you tonight, choose Jesus. Choose the life that he offers. I'm going to say this. It's not necessarily going to be that everybody's going to think you're the greatest thing on earth. They probably won't. But if God says you're his child, that's all that's going to matter. Is there one here tonight? Raise your hand. I hope and pray we all are. But, you know, as Brother Gary says, if you don't give, we don't get, give you a chance, they can't respond. I'm sure we all have unsaved loved ones in our families. Let's pray that God helps them to see, to make the choice. Pray that Holy Spirit continues working on them and dealing with them and drawing them to Jesus. Those of you that can and would, I want to give you an opportunity to come and spend some time around these altars. Let's ask God to help us to, if we've made that choice, if we're walking in that choice, to stay firm, to stay committed, to stay connected closely to the Father, closely to Jesus, who's given us the right to be called the sons and the daughters of God. Those who will come and join me around these altars, let's spend some time in prayer tonight.